Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast, where we bring to you the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the owner and founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Quan. He is the founder and CEO of Kipwise. Uh, thank you so much for being on here today. It's a pleasure having you. I know you are uh, in a very, very far place, <laughs> so it's kind of late for you, uh, but I really appreciate it. And why don't you just tell us a little bit more about Kipwise? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm Quan, and actually I'm based in Tallinn, Estonia, so I need to off nowhere. Um, so yeah, um, we're building Kipwise, which is um, a knowledge management tool to help companies to reduce repeat internal questions so everyone can work more efficiently, you know, especially for fast-growing companies. When you hire less than 20 people within two weeks, you are going to have a lot of repeated questions to answer. Absolutely. And... As far as, you know, how everything kind of happened and, and just give us actually a little bit of background uh, on, your, on your background. Uh, where do you come from and what have you done in the past that kind of led you to this position? Yeah, for sure. So um, actually I co-founded another company as the CTO previously in Hong Kong. So I'm originally from Hong Kong. Um, so when our team was growing so fast, I often had to, you know, answer questions again and again, you know, the same questions again and again from the new hires. And I was kind of like frustrated, but I still spent a lot of time doing that. Um, but after left that particular company, I kind of like realized that's a really common problem for most of the companies. Mm-hmm. So that's why I uh, got my co-founders together and started building Kipwise to, you know, help fast-growing companies to grow with less pain in that sense. Okay. And uh, I did want to apologize for saying founder. I know, you know, there's co-founders and stuff like that. Yeah, no worries. What, what is your role essentially as a co-founder? What is your focus in? Um, so, I mean, as a small team and a, as a startup, um, we, you know, me and my co-founders, we wear a lot of different hats as well. Yeah. Um, so my, my background is computer science. So I, I code. But at the same time, we don't have any designers, so I have to do the design as well. Um, and we don't have any sales. And, and because of my time zone, you know, a specific time zone in Europe, so it makes me easier to have the call with the U.S. leads and the European leads. So mm-hmm. I'm one of the sales as well. So, yeah, basically, we have to handle whatever it takes yeah. to, you know, totally. grow the company. And uh, as far as, you know, who... who who do you think the product is helping out the most as far as smaller companies, startups, teams of, of what kind of sizes do you see? Mm-hmm. So um, right now, actually, the best size of, you know, um, teams to use uh, Kipwise is kind of like customer support teams within around like 30 to 50 people because mm-hmm. usually they are they're, they're suffering the most right now because they have a lot of questions from the customers, but at the same time, they don't have enough knowledge to answer those questions. Uh-huh. So they have to you know, ask other team members, especially from the product team. But then they just don't want to you know, look stupid by asking the same questions again and again. So sometimes <laughs> they just try not to, end, not to ask. Uh-huh. Um, that, but that's hurting the performance as well. Right, because it leads to problems and essentially it could be a miscommunication issue where someone is giving something that's completely wrong uh, and exactly. it's, it's harmful for the company overall. Exactly, exactly. And also, um, remote teams are using 
um, Keepwise in a pretty active way as well because they have to rely on asynchronized communication. Mm -hmm. So that means they sometimes they have to ask a question in Slack and wait for let's say 12 hours to get a reply, oh. which is really time consuming. Uh, but at the same time, uh, no one in the team is hired for managing knowledge. So usually no one's documenting, like saving the knowledge for everyone else. So um, usually they have just to wait without right. using Keepwise in that sense. Okay. Very cool. That's awesome. And that's something that it's definitely overlooked, I think. Um, and I actually recently interviewed the founder of Trainio, which is somewhat similar, but I would say it's, it's not, not the same. Um, but for example, on, on Kipwise, you have to be using Slack, right? There's no other way to use Kipwise. Um, yes, for now. Um, so we start with Slack and right now we are featured on the first page of Slack app directory. Um, but down the road, let's say in Q2 2019, we are going to expand to other platforms, um, starting with um, Google Sign-in as well. So okay. in probably in Q2 this year, mm -hmm. um, teams are not using Slack, but only use Google Sign-in, will be able to use us as well. That's very cool. And why don't you just tell us a little bit more about the product and you know, some, of the, some of the really cool features that Kipwise is able to provide for Slack users at the moment. Yeah, for sure. So um, we focus on three major um, areas. So it's to help teams save knowledge easily, organize knowledge easily, and access to existing knowledge easily. So for, um, um, for saving, we have a feature for users to, have to save important conversation from Slack to Keepwise with just one click without leaving Slack. Mm -hmm. And for organize, it's just the same. When people save it, it's kind of like, messages to Slack, they can just, you know, tag it or move, put it into some folders directly within Slack as well. Um, if someone has a question, they can just type this very simple line of command and get the relevant results directly within Slack. Or if they cannot get the results, they can ask um, directly within Keepwise interface as well. So, um, and assign the question to their team members. So when the team members comes back with the answer, the question, the answer will be saved to keep us automatically. Mm -hmm. So that means everyone can, you know, um, evolve in building the team knowledge base by simply doing their daily job mm -hmm. instead of trying to think right. about, you know, oh, I have to document something um, to our knowledge, which most of the people wouldn't do. Okay. You know? um, and also we are right now working on a much better, much cooler feature, which is a chatbot that because a lot of team members would just shoot their questions into Slack. And with our chatbot, we can offer the answer immediately auto and automatically with the team knowledge um, into Slack. So everyone can you know, reduce the time distracting someone else or being distracted. That's very cool. And as far as growing the user base and the, the marketing strategies that are being put to place, what are some of the items that you've seen have been most successful? Um, I would say like right now, our most successful uh, marketing channels are actually Slack app directory. As I mentioned, we got featured a couple of times. Mm -hmm. um, another one is actually Quora. Um, okay. Our team answers quite a lot of knowledge management related questions on Quora mm -hmm. um, and usually you know, people who are looking for knowledge management tools are pretty eager to do research 
um, you know, before they make the decision. So that's usually how they um, find keypoints as well. But um, we are definitely open to try a lot more like acquisition channels in the future. Uh-huh. Right now we are a pretty small team, so it's kind of limited, but um, yeah, we would definitely try to balance the time and try more you know, ways as well. Where would you th- say uh, Kipwise right now is at, you know, have you, do you think you found product market fit or are you still trying to find essentially the, the, the perfect, you know, fit for your market uh, or where, where is that at, at the moment? Well, I would say um, we are almost there. Um, so we have um, recurrent paying customers, we have annual subscriptions, um, but we believe this is a huge problem that we have to spend a little bit more time on it because I mean, everyone knows that knowledge management is a huge problem, but at the same time, no one wants to really tackle that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that easy to tackle as well, you know, with a very small product. Um, so for our case, our goal, like first um, focus is to make sure the retention goes well and the user engagement goes well. And mm-hmm. then we would, start doing our marketing in that sense yeah. mm-hmm. so what are some of the items that you are doing in order to make that happen as far as you know making sure that the customers are staying for a longer period of time getting more of the annual subscriptions uh just making sure mm-hmm. that the clients are happy. so basically we are yeah we are we are doing it in a very very manual way for now because we want to have you know the best information from the customers. So I basically know every paying customers and mm-hmm. I had call, at least a call with them or, you know, some pretty long email thread because some <laughs> of them, um, be, because some of them kind of like a base in a time zone that's difficult for me to arrange a call as well. So. Yeah. For any SaaS founder or someone that wants to start a SaaS product, what would you say is the, the one thing that that could set them back? Um, for me, I would say definitely. I think it's a pretty common suggestion from most of the SaaS founders is like talk to customers. Uh-huh. If people are paying you some money, just talk to them and ask them further and see how to further help. What if it's something before they have customers? Uh, for me, I was actually what we did is like um, we kind of like define a group of potential customer that we believe our tool would be able to help. And then we just talk to them and um, kind of like co-email, arrange meetings, talk to them and share them with our solution and see how excited they are. Mm-hmm. Actually, before we um, finalize the target market as the customer support team, we also talk to all like basically every functional teams in different companies. Um, but then what we found is like the customer support team actually has the biggest pain point. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to, I guess, finding the pain point in, in someone's, you know, journey as far as dealing with is I guess it comes down to really talking to your customers, right? It's mm-hmm. just understanding what they need and things like that. Do you think that being only on Slack at the moment is a big hurdle for you? Um, it depends on the locations. So let's say Slack is basically the tool that everyone would use in US and most of the 
tech companies in Europe, which are our target audience. Um, but definitely, it's not the case in Asia. Let's say in my hometown, Hong Kong, I, uh, I actually, last time when I went back to Hong Kong, I tried to arrange some meetings with some potential customers. And I felt like I was more like a Slack sales instead of Kibai sales. I had, to, <laughs> I had to convince them to use Slack first. Uh-huh. Um, I know that Slack is not that popular in Hong Kong, but I was just like, oh, might as well try. But right. I, it was not going well in that sense. Why is it that there is different, and you might not have the answer to this, but why do you think countries, like the, the usage of Slack varies from country to country? Um, I think it's more about the culture uh, because let's say uh, in Japan, actually Slack is really big there. Uh, and Japan also has some history adopting community tools in a very fast way. Let's say Twitter is really big there. Instagram is really big there. So I'm not surprised that Slack goes back there as well. But at the same time, Twitter is not that big in, let's say, Hong Kong or Taiwan or, you know, some of other Asian regions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that sense, probably Slack would also, um, you know, step on some obstacles when they are growing. But um, yeah, I totally have no idea where Slack is focusing right now as well. But I know they are throwing a lot of money in Japan for uh-huh. marketing. Even they, I think they even buy some TV commercials in Japan. Interesting. Well. I've never seen one of those. So they're definitely not doing it in the US. <laughs> um, as uh, far as, as features go for Kipwise, how do you, how do you find um, new features to add to it? Like the chat bot and stuff like that. Is there anything else that's coming and how do you get the idea from that? Do you always uh, let do you always let your your customers your clients kind of say what's going to become next, or do you uh-huh. start working on something and then kind of start introducing it to them? Um, so I would say we do both. Um, we when we get the customer feedback, we will try to validate if that's um, you know just a symptom of some other problems or that's the, the real problem that they have and we of course we also have a kind of like mission um, so our mission is basically to help um, every team member within a company to pick each other's brain easy mm-hmm. so um, we have that particular how I would say limitation f- for us to build features um, at the same time we would also try to think about some hypothesis and um, try to ask either leads or existing customers to validate those hypotheses to see if that makes sense to them or if they just don't care about that. And of course, we have we have some hypotheses kind of like invalidated through the conversations and we also got some really nice validated hypothesis that, that has been you know um, put into our roadmap right now. Very interesting. And as far as your core customer right now it's obviously it's just b2b so you're helping teams right within yep. your organization do you think that the product could ever be a b2c model where essentially let's say i had a question about mm-hmm. wise and i wanted to maybe if it's just on slack at the moment if i wanted to go on slack and ask i don't know maybe there's like a public channel for Kipwise, <clears throat> would i be able to get some um, so I don't see we we are supporting that in like 
far, even far future because for us, we want to um, be able to answer the questions within your organization that you can never find uh, on Google because mm -hmm. those information are the ones that you want to make them private. Okay. Um, so if you want to just ask some sort of like questions, I believe Google is doing pretty well right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good answer. And let's, let's talk a little bit more about the pricing model and things like that. Um, I think that that's one of the biggest issues for SaaS companies where they struggle a lot mm -hmm. is really finding, finding the right price for the product. Right. How did you go about that? And do you think there's going to be any more changes or iterations to that? Uh-huh. So actually that's a good question because we are struggling <laughs> with that right now as well. Mm -hmm. Um actually we found we have been offering too cheap. Um the reason we've realized that is like all our paying customers actually signed up our plan without asking any questions about pricing. Uh -huh. And probably that's because it's too cheap. So yeah. actually we want um, kind of like update the price to see how it would go well. But at the same time, we believe the price should reflect the value that we can offer. So down the road with more features that we build and more values that we can offer, mm -hmm. um, we probably would raise the price accordingly. But right now we still want to have more customers for feedback. So um, we are fine when it is too cheap for now, but at least yeah. we know, we know, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's easy. I think it's easier way. It's an easier way to start off, you know, maybe a little bit smaller and then start, like you said, it's learning, you know, the use case and, and start making changes to the features and stuff like that. And once you have a stronger, more robust product and you start hearing feedback from them, like I, I, I think that, you know, no questions means that it might be like, obviously, you know, if you, you think about something when you're going to buy it and it's too expensive. You definitely want to know more information and stuff like that. So that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I also like the volume play approach where we're gathering customers right now and to really understand them and then make that switch eventually. And, and if it comes with more features and that makes complete sense. Um, it's not right. like increasing your prices for, for no reason. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really cool. What are some right. of the other areas that you're currently seeing some, you know, issues happen as far as growing the company? Um, so for us, it's definitely the speed of product development because um, I believe our product is kind of like huge by definition because mm -hmm. it's going to help the team and it's going to integrate with the tools that they use every day. So um, our whole team has to, well, the product has to be kind of like well integrated and that means you have to spend enough time for on the product development so that's kind of the biggest challenge for our team right now how to balance um, the priority of different feature requests to um you know to stay alive in a sense have you ever thought about outsourcing any development um for right now we don't because um because right now let's say we have actually we have a four people team um, three of us are able to code. So that means it is going to take even more time to just communicate with the outsourcing team um, comparing to just working on it internally. Because at the same time, we all of us wear different hats. 
that means we don't have some of the communications, let's say, between designer and the front-end developer either. Mm -hmm. We can just, you know, the one who designs the product can also implement the front-end, and sometimes that person will be able to implement some of the back-end as well, so it's going to be super efficient, and actually we are launching the product or new features in a very fast pace right now. That's awesome. When it comes to, and I don't know if this is something that you're currently doing because you said it's only, it's only four of you, right? So mm -hmm. have, my guess is that you guys are extremely busy. Yeah. Do you have to delegate any work to anyone at all at the moment? Um, so actually, yes, because I, uh, you know, I, I think five months ago, we were only three. And then I just found I have been so overwhelmed with all their design sales and front-end development. So that's why we hired a front-end engineer. And she actually took most of my responsibilities away in a very great way, which mm -hmm. we are so happy right now. Um, and then right now, the bottom line actually goes to my CDO side that he has to handle so many machine learning and back-end development at the same time. So mm -hmm. our plan is actually to hire the next backend developer. Um, so our hiring, I would say strategy is more like um, we only hire when someone is, you know, is on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, it makes sense, you know, it, it's, it's a growing company. And I think that's the way it goes for the most part um, when you start with a smaller team. Um, when, when you did delegate to someone or your, your uh, front end engineer, did you have a hard time doing so? Um, no, because that's what we do because we are building knowledge management software. So um, actually we are eating our own dog food. Uh, most of our process our practices are actually built within our knowledge base already. Um, and also we have a pretty spec, I'm not sure if that's really special, but um, our hiring process is kind of different comparing to other companies. Uh -huh. um, during the interview process, we, we mentioned clearly that there will be a two to four weeks um, part-time period during the interview that you don't need to quit your previous job. But we have to give you some real tasks and we, have to, we will work with you, you know, at your convenience time, like let's say evening or weekends, mm -hmm. we go now and basically have like on board and see how the person can really deliver because we 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 don't believe you know just um kind of like vetting the the uh, the applicants by um just talking yes. so we we want to see the things we want to see they really get something done that's our core value as well so actually our new engineer well i mean she's not that new right now but like our first engineer when she was joining, um, I mean, two, when, um, two, um, two weeks before she really joined us as the full-time, she already delivered quite many features to yeah. our part-time. So, and we had no problem, you know, all provide, providing her and, and offer as the full-time. Yeah, that's really awesome. That's, I think that's how more, um, businesses should work is really allow, you know, give that flexibility. Obviously it's always nice to, to be able to do stuff on your own and stuff like that, but also mm -hmm. the trust that it seems like you put on them. Right. I think one of the things that founders struggle with a lot in the beginning is letting go, even though they're so, so overwhelmed with the amount of work that they have to do is right. 
they they almost think that only they can do the job um, or they want to micromanage you or something like that. And I think mm-hmm. that's where a lot of things go wrong. Um, and, and not only that, but you're also mm-hmm. creating a bad culture and atmosphere for that specific person because I, I can't imagine not being trusted, you know, when I'm doing exactly. my, that's what I do, but that's exactly. great to hear. Um, yeah. As far as, you know, looking more into the future of Kip Weiss, do you think, do you ever think about, um, you know, maybe an acquisitioning happening or something like that for you? Mm, actually, we haven't thought about, you know, the angle. Um, we, you know, our whole team, we only have, uh, we only got one, I would say, common agreement, which is growth. So we only believe in growth, grow the, growing the company. And we believe, you know, as long as the company is growing, something great is going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it, when it's not growing, like it doesn't help. Even if you try to think about, let's say, exit or like acquisition or whatever, mm-hmm. it just doesn't help. Absolutely, and and this is something that I mentioned, and we talked about it in another podcast too. Is you know, mm-hmm. I I feel like you should be doing something because it fulfills you, and you get you're passionate about whatever you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think most people or not most people, but some people definitely start companies with the idea of, okay, I'm going to sell one day. This is going to be such a great idea. Um, and nothing ever happens. And I think it's because of the same reason they don't have that drive to actually do anything within the company right. that's big enough for that to happen. Um, because they're mm-hmm. too busy focusing on that one thing, but overall, um, you know, I, I think that you have a great sense of what you're doing and what you want to do. And, and, you know, the mission, I, I like, I actually really like the fact that you brought that up, which is, um, can you repeat what the mission was again? Um, so we want to help, um, you know, every team member within a team would be able to pick each other's brains. Easily. Uh, that's awesome. That's great. And uh, if you had a piece of advice um, for anyone that is struggling with this, what would that be? Wow, that's a, <laughs> that's a difficult question. Um, I actually don't have any like specific advice. Uh, but for for myself, that's what I usually um, tell my team members is like, if you found you are not happy with uh, what you're doing, um, you either I mean let me know so we can change it, or you just leave the team. <laughs> so that would make you easier, like because we believe as a startup. Uh, it's going to help anyway. Um, so if you're not doing something that you really enjoy, mm-hmm. um, probably it doesn't make sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and it is a hard question just because you, I feel like I want to think at least that most people are usually happy with what we're doing, which mm-hmm. I know it's not the case all the time, but I definitely wish it was. Um, as far as the one thing that you're trying to accomplish in a, actually two things. One thing that you're trying to accomplish on a personal standpoint and one thing that you're trying to accomplish for Kipwise in a bigger, uh, in a broader point of view. Right. Um, so for myself, uh, um, actually it's kind of the same because um, for me, I enjoy, I would say, um, exploring unknown stuff mm-hmm. as an adventure. So uh, Growing a startup definitely brings me, you know, that kind of unknown stuff. You mm-hmm. know, basically every week or even every day. Um, so for me, uh, my personal goal and the goal of Kipwise probably 
overlap quite a lot mm -hmm. and um, so I don't have a lot of like I would say difference in that way and that's also what I told my team members as well like um, just make sure the company's goal can can overlap with your personal goal for now but in the future if inevitably that they diverge then it's a good time for us to say goodbye but we can still maintain a good relationship between uh -huh. each other because I believe it doesn't make sense if someone's working for you, but their goal is kind of like so different from what you want to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, what the team wants to go to. Yeah. That's, that's, you actually made me remember of something that I asked a while ago and, and it was, how do you deal with essentially a loyal um, employee or team member, right? Because I think it's a very, mm -hmm. very entrepreneurial space. And I feel like I, I've done this in the past too, where I, I kind of got into something to learn and then I wanted to essentially go out and do my own thing. Um, how do you deal with that um, on a personal level? You know, when, when I guess it's a fear of someone wanting to just go and, and start this thing and kind of learn the ways and you, you can think about it in bigger scale too, like Tesla and Apple, you have all these engineers that essentially part ways and they start their own company um, and things mm -hmm. like that. Do you ever think about those types of scenarios? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but to me, I believe, you know, lifelong employment is over. I mean, there's no lifelong employment anyway. Um, mm -hmm. So even for our team members, um, before joining the team, we already set the expectation. I told them like, you know, um, we are here because right now our paths kind of like overlap with each other. But if somehow in the future you have your own plan, definitely just let me know and definitely we will wish you good luck and we hope you would be able to help us promote Kitwise, you know, to the people <laughs> that you meet in the future as well, or even in your new company. Yeah. Um, that's how we want to build kind of like the alumni network. Um, of mm -hmm. course, right now, Kitwise is just for people, but um, because I co-founded another company before and that company right now, we kind of, kind of um, got a pretty nice alumni network as well. That's really so cool. I, I believe, I mean, um, the end of kind of like your employer-employee relationship doesn't mean the end of your relationship. Absolutely. Yeah, um, that's great. Uh, as far as what, what, what are some of the companies, SaaS companies that you look up to? Um, I would say one of them would be Zapier. Okay. Um, we are also a remote company. So, and we also believe in, you know, efficiency. Um, so that Zapier is right now one of the, I would say most successful yeah. remote and efficiency um, focusing company. Um, I would love to, you know, learn more about how they really work and grow to that kind of size. Yeah. Fully remote. Um, and of course down the road. Um, and, there are lots of like other great companies that say intercom is so also somewhat that I really admire because they start with a really simple tool and they also start bottom up and fix the, a, uh, I would say a problem that everyone believed that it was not there. Yeah. I mean, before the intercom there's Zendesk, everyone is like, oh, we just use Zendesk for customer support. Mm -hmm. And then intercom comes out and then it just keep improving with 
by adding more and more features. And right now, it's not only customer support. Actually, it works for much more. It does so many things. It's insane. But I think yeah. that's a good point, right? Because you, and, and they're doing everything right. Um, exactly. So far, at least, it's, you, you have this company that came out with a very, very simple product. And then you start seeing it kind of blow up. And you start seeing the little circle on literally every website. Um, and it makes you wonder, like, how are they doing this so quickly? But I think that even with all those features and all the things that you can do with it, it still doesn't seem to be bloated. Um, and that's something that's blown my mind for a while, too, because I, mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, just adding features on top of features, is it's not always the, way, the best way to play. Yeah. Um, but they're definitely pulling it off really, really well. Well, I guess, like, um, they're, well, I mean, if you have to provide more values to the customers, I guess adding features is a must. Just some companies are adding features in a kind of like unstructured way. So yeah. the product becomes more messy and more messy and the value decreases. For Intercom, they are basically adding features and increasing values at the same time because the UX is so smooth mm -hmm. and they're fixing relevant problems instead of you know two different problems trying yeah. to put into the same product. Um, so I would say that's definitely a product that we, uh, well, following. That's, that's awesome. Um, do you have any books that you recommend? Um, yeah, actually I've been reading quite a lot recently. Um, but the most recent one is Blaze Scaling um, from Reed Hoffman. I think okay. I, I usually don't remember the author, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope he's the author. Um, so it mentioned it, it, it mentions like um, how different companies are growing in a very inefficient way. Mm -hmm. And because that was a question that I usually had before reading the book is like, I mean, why Uber was spending money into international growing when obviously some of the cities are super inefficient and failed mm -hmm. um but that book kind of like um yeah, answers my question so for me it's like oh that's not that obvious but that's definitely some of the secret sauce of uh, yeah. some fast growing companies yeah absolutely and we are at the last question so do you have any questions for me yeah, for sure. Um, I would love to learn more about like why um, you are working on this podcast. Working on this podcast because I've, so a little bit of my, my background. Um, I love advertising. I love marketing. And I worked at a couple agencies in the past. And I, I got the chance to work with some SaaS companies and I really enjoyed it. And I also have a very entrepreneurial mindset. And I love the atmosphere and how all SaaS companies are pretty much made up. They're, you know, these people that find solutions to very unique problems in some cases. And I just wanted to learn more um, about the people, but I, and, and also obviously, you know, I wanted to work with them uh, for advertising and it, I, I want to be part of their growth essentially. And I came into a big issue mm -hmm. where I did not know how to approach them. <laughs> So I didn't know how to go about and find the people that I wanted to talk to. How do I get in touch with the decision makers? How do I learn more about their stories and, and you know, the things that they're currently struggling with and things like that. 
and I thought about it and it's really, it goes back to one of the best things, you know, about just being in the business, which it comes back to providing value. And I thought, and I, and I, it took me some time to think about this and I give credit to one of my friends. Um, his name is Jonathan and he's the founder of Penji. And I actually met him on Facebook too. And we started chatting back and forth and I realized that he had a podcast where he interviews entrepreneurs. Um, and somehow my light switch just clicked and I, and I realized that's what I need to do. I got to do a podcast where I talk to these people, um, and, and create a relationship and at the same time, give them a channel where they can, you know, showcase their product, their story, and essentially reach more people. Um, so that's really where the podcast comes in. And it's just wanting to learn more about people like you um, that are growing companies and also just connecting with them. I felt like one of the biggest values that it's brought to me is really having, it feels like I have now connections pretty much all over the world. And it's only, I believe this is maybe episode 21. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, like I've talked to people all over the world um, and it's pretty, pretty cool. So it's definitely, it's, it's, it's a pleasure, you know, having you on here uh, from Estonia, I believe you said. So it's, it's, yeah. it's really cool, man. It's just knowing, you know, people all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that, man. Um, because actually, you know, um, empowering knowledge to exchange is also, mm -hmm. you know, blood. So I really enjoy exchanging knowledge with different people as well. Um, so I, that's why I really like, you know, the idea in that case. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I also fun. know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also know another friend who's doing kind of like similar things, but only in Estonia. So maybe I should introduce your podcast to him as well. I mean, he's also building a SaaS and doing similar thing to um, build relationships. Exactly. Um, sadly, I'm not that kind of people. I usually admire the people who can do that. Yeah. Um, I would love to try just, yeah, it's kind of really tricky. You know, I'm kind of like a geek that focus on building product. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> you just have to do it. I mean, you're on here Great with me right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? but yeah, definitely. It would be great. It's great to, you know, to be here and to get in touch with you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And uh, again, it's a great interview. It was very cool having you on here, learning more about Kipwise and just how everything kind of happened and took shape uh, and where you're at right now. And for anyone that's listening, uh, we are, they are, uh, they'll give you a discount if you just mentioned that you heard the podcast or watch the podcast whenever you call them or you have a conversation with, with uh, one of the founders. So just let them know if that's the case. Uh, Kwon, where can people find you online? Um, so um, I'm available on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, and also, of course, keepwise.com. So people can just reach me there. I also do, I also answer tickets a lot. So oh, probably you would see my name if you just shoot in, you know, a message. <laughs> yeah, very cool. So if you want to get in touch with him, just go to the website and get on intercom. He'll reply right away. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, uh, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, Facebook also we'll put the links in the in the description of the YouTube channel um, and I challenge every single one of you to go out and do something that you believe it's going to bring value and is going to fulfill you in some form or way uh, that means starting a podcast yeah. <laughs> so thank you again for being on here I really appreciate it thanks yeah have a good day then thank you you too yeah bye <laughs>